0: Welcome back to the Tell Us Center podcast, a resource for training people in truth and love so that they would live inspired to make life all about God. I am your host, Pastor Nate. We are returning to our series, Reading the Bible. We started off the series uh, several episodes ago, uh, Read the Bible, and I'm turning that into Reading the Bible. Answering the question of what does the Bible say? Often people do not read the Bible, do not listen to the Bible. Uh, Many hate the Bible. Many have no clue about the Bible. (laughs) What is the Bible? Well, there's what is the Bible and what also does the Bible say? What's in it? (laughs) Front to back cover. And we're in the first book of the Bible. There are 66 Books of the Bible. We're in the first one. We're starting with a front cover, opened it up, and we got to Genesis, and we're in Genesis chapter 5. And when you open up this Bible and you go chapter to chapter, normally in the past, a Bible, uh, when it was being put together, did not have all these nice chapters and verses. These are like the address to passages. So in their original form, Before it was all collected and put together, they were more like a letter written, more like a document put together for somebody to read, uh, like as if they read a letter uh, written to them. And so now we have uh, chapters and verses that uh, organize it and help us uh, kind of be orderly in our account, in our reading, in our teaching, in our preaching. Uh, So we're in Genesis chapter 5, and so I'm going to read this, and as you will notice as we as we read through Genesis there is a lot of names there's what we call genealogies they are family tree of the human race of the first humans Adam and Eve and then they also are leading to the family tree of Israel and this is very important not just the family tree of humanity and not just the family tree of Israel But getting to the one human that is then born through Israel, in the land of Israel, as an Israelite, as what we know as the Messiah, the Christ. His name would later be known as Jesus. Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Messiah. The one who is promised from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And so you can go back to that chapter, read it, or you can go back to that episode, and you can listen to that as we walk through this. So, I'm going to read, uh, like I've done before, Genesis chapter 5. After I read it, then we will go uh, uh, section by section, verse by verse kind of a thing. Context is so important when reading this. So, let me read Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them and he blessed them and named them man or like mankind when they were created. When Adam, verse 3, when Adam had lived a 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth after, uh, were 800 years and he had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days that Adam lived were nine hundred and thirty years, and he died. Verse six. When Seth had lived a hundred and five years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived after he fathered Enosh eight hundred and seven years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were nine hundred and twelve years and he died. Verse nine. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Canaan. Enosh lived after he fathered Canaan 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enosh were 905 years and he died. Verse 12. When Canaan uh, had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalel. Canaan lived after he fathered Mahalel eight hundred and forty years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Canaan were nine hundred and ten years and he died. Verse fifteen, when Mahalel had lived sixty-five years, he fathered Jared. Mahalel lived after he fathered Jared eight hundred and thirty years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Mahalel were not eight hundred and ninety-five years, and he died. Verse 18, when Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Jared were 962 years, and he died. Verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah. 300 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Verse 25. When Methuselah had lived a 187 years, he fathered Lamech. Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Methuselah were 969 years, And he died. When Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son and called his name Noah, saying, Out of the ground that the Lord has cursed, this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands. Verse 30, Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died. Verse 32, after Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, let's go back to the first part of Genesis chapter 5, the entire a chapter here, is the genealogy from Adam to Noah. It's not getting into every single human between Adam, the first human, and to Noah. Why? Is because when Moses, the human author, was writing all of this down according to what God was leading him to, as Moses is writing this down, Moses is writing this down a lot later. Moses is not, he, Moses has not been born yet. We get to know about Moses uh, more so like in the book of Exodus, the second book of the Bible. But when we get to learn about Moses, uh, we get to learn the time period he lived in. So as he's writing this down... He's writing it as a historical document, not trying to track every single thing. The point is, when he's writing it down, there is a theme, there is a major uh, point that he's trying to get across to the Israelites and to the world. That means he is providing enough trackable and traceable information for when they orally and uh, in written form share this information to their own people the israelites and later to the rest of the world that they not just understand their history but the development of the messiah the christ so that we understand who we're to believe in right you can be told anything at any time doesn't make it true what makes something true A lot of times it's not just the content of it, but the context of it, and that is important. And so Moses, as well as all the authors later on, as well as the family of Israel, and most importantly, God himself, and his purpose of revealing himself to a world, declaring you are without him, you have no relationship to him, and the only way to him is through this sacrifice through this one coming who will take upon the broken nature, the broken, uh, sinful nature of mankind started with Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. And his name would later be known as Jesus. And that message, we know, is the gospel or good news of Jesus. And it unfolds in the book of Genesis all the way through the remainder of the Old Testament, which has a total of 39 books in it. And then, when you open the New Testament part of the Bible, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that is recording the life of Jesus, who he is. And is he the same one that was talked about in the Old Testament? And how do we know that? Is through a lot of different facts and content and context. And that includes the family tree of Jesus. He must come through humanity. So, Adam in his nature, specifically then a group of humanity that will then be located later on in the country of Canaan, which later then is renamed to Israel. And through that piece of property, Israel, and through the people of Israel, we would know he is the one. That's one of countless promises and prophecies about Jesus, and so when we're going through Genesis chapter five, the family tree, it provides helpful information: the longevity of life, the starting of of uh, humanity, the the interesting scenarios in which the next generation comes. Who are they? It doesn't give us a lot of characteristics or personalities. It kind of just this is a statement of fact: who lived who came after kind of some of the main characters. And in that, we learned that there is a connection from Noah all the way back to Adam. And when that's the case, we then learn that later on, there's other Bible passages that talk about Noah. It's not just what you'll learn here soon about Noah and his ark, Noah's ark, But there is a lot more passages saying, look how Jesus is connected to humanity and to the Israelites. All of these people are known. They were relationally known. They're historically known. They're biblically known. This is the revelation of God to the world. He does not hide himself. He reveals himself, and he reveals himself consistently and constantly. He is who he says he is. So when we're in Genesis chapter 5 here, verse 1, it says, This is the book of the generations of Adam. Now, in verse 1 on, when it talks about Adam, it doesn't talk about Cain, Abel, or any of the sons and daughters mentioned in chapter 4, the preceding chapter. It really just goes from Adam to Seth. Well, we get that at the end of chapter 4, it says in verse 26, to Seth... Um. Uh, also a son was born and he called his name enosh and so we get this point where we have the mention of seth and enosh but the last part of that verse is the most important at that time people began to call upon the name of the lord what was not happening to some of adam and eve's children They were not calling upon the name of the Lord. They were rejecting God, just like many people today. Our hearts can easily reject God for all various reasons. But Seth and the people and Enosh are now looking upon God. So, you have in chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, the recording of, this is like summary verses, kind of recapping from Genesis chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, and saying, hey, there's a connection, and there's a plan of God. So verse 1, this is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. What is the likeness again of God? That man is a living, uh, domin- not domineering, but a someone who can rule. Someone who can have dominion he's not an animal. I know that there's scientists today that look at the biological makeup of humanity, and they 'll start to use genome or genes and they'll look at the DNA and they're looking at history and they're saying um, humanity has evolved through millions and now billions of years, and look how we're how close we are to a chimpanzee's DNA well. <laughs> There's a lot of things to refute that scientifically, immediately. a uh, Kind of a joking, fun one is <laughs> our body is physically made up of a large percentage of water. You know, Some say 60%, some say 70%, 75%. Either way, it's a lot. So am I related to the ocean? <laughs> am I related to a river? There, just because there might be some things part of us, doesn't mean we are it. Doesn't mean we are an animal. Doesn't mean we are a chimpanzee. Doesn't mean we are related to a similar same ancestor. But what we are related to is the same creator. And that's where um, a lot of people keep getting it wrong. And I understand that some might have grown up in certain schools and education now that are advocating this from very young, preschool, kindergarten, all the way to the universities and graduate schools, and now it's in our healthcare system throughout the world. And that's not the recording of the Bible or history or biology. We start to see that we're in the likeness of God, that He created us in His image. Another phrase later on, the Latin phrase is the Imago Dei. And the Imago Dei helps us to understand that we're in the image of God; that there is a connection to God that is different than an animal, an insect, a tree, an ocean, a galaxy, a star, a universe, a moon, or planet. That we're living and breathing. We are thinkers. We are lovers. We are relational. We also dominate. We have dominion over the world, over the animals or the fish of the sea, the animals of the ground, we're able to multiply image bearers of God in our likeness. So therefore we multiply as humans. We don't multiply from animals to humans or humans to animals or a mix or, or a weird type of um, blend of, of, <laughs> of animals. We're not that. We are in his likeness. And there's a lot more. You can go back to our, our episode on Genesis chapter 1, dealing with that. But we're in his likeness. There's a relationship to him. We have a soul. We're, we're life. But what we're not, we are not God. And that's what happened in Genesis chapter 3 when we have Satan or the serpent in the garden with Adam and Eve, and he is tempting them to believe that if they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they will become not just like God, but they will become basically better than God, God himself. They will have the same knowledge of him. And that's what people are trying to do today, even. They're trying to be God. They're trying to be knowledgeable as God. They're trying to get as much information as if information is transformative to uh, our nature or to our... Uh, divineness our ability to be omni uh, omniscient or omnipresent you know we have a lot of 21st century technology that we can learn something across the world in split seconds as if we were there or as if we're watching a video and we see it but that's still not the case we are always limited because we're in the likeness of god we're not god We'll try to fight that. We'll try to use technology and sciences to develop otherwise. But it will be a failure in the end because we are not him. That is not his purpose. And still yet we have in verse 2, male and female, he created them, talking about Adam and Eve, and he blessed them and named them man. Uh, he, he's focused on mankind when they were created. He said this is a good thing in Genesis chapter 1. I want this to happen. This is part of my plan. This is what I want. A lot of people will try to figure out, man, what, what should I do in life? What's my purpose in life? What am I doing? You might be a, a young kid even thinking about that, but often it comes later in life. Some people call it like a midlife crisis. Some people are having a midlife crisis in college or <laughs> in their 20s. Sometimes there is a questioning of life when you've tried to fill up on life and it just does not have a filling effect. Some people capture it as a hole in the heart. Why? It's because you're trying to find your purpose and identity in yourself or this world instead of your creator. What does he want? And when we have our hearts and our minds aligned to him, aimed... By him and to him, we start to actually understand the very purpose of our life, what he wants. We now are being oriented by a north star, God himself. He's now directional. He's now showing us purpose. And he calls it blessed, happy. This is a good thing. So verse 3, when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness, and after his image and named him Seth. And so we have not Cain, not Abel, or the others. We have Seth. And this is quite a long time, you know, 130 years. Average lifespan today is ranging from 70 to 80 years. You know, uh, there's a lot of kids not making it to then. There's definitely people living past then to their 90s and to their hundreds. Uh, but here they're blowing right past that and having kids. At an older age. (laughs) Some people think this is a metaphor of timeline, but this is actual literalness. And a lot of times people think Genesis or um, main passages in Genesis, like the beginning chapters, are allegories. that They're not literal, but they actually are. They actually create also a timeline, not just of a family tree, but they help us track the age of the earth the age of God's creation, which we'll discuss that in some other episodes. And there's a lot of resources that uh, show you that. And again, um, those that believe in evolution or, or hard core for that, they will try to debunk the chronology of the Bible and the chronology timeline of the world and claiming it as millions, now billions, if not trillions years old. But here we are, 130 years he had lived, and he's father and a son. Now, some people are thinking, oh, I'm going to have babies uh, when I'm 18. That was kind of the common thing in the 20th century and before. Now, in the 21st century, people are not having babies, not having children ever. <laughs> or, if they do, they want to be really old. Uh, when I say really old, <laughs> I mean 30s or 40s. <laughs> And even later, you know, some um, actors, actors and actresses and some uh, popular figures in the United States have chosen to wait till their 50s. You know, some people in business, they've waited till their 50s, some in their 60s to have kids because they wanted to focus on their early years. Sometimes they focused on their early years unintentionally. They just wanted to have fun and they weren't really thinking about having children. Or children are a burden for people. You know, the list goes on. But here we have that uh, at an older age, Adam is having kids. And he's not dead yet. (laughs) Did not kill him. And in verse uh, 4, the days of Adam after he fathered Seth, were 800 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. And out of all of chapter 5, we see that Methuselah is the oldest of them all. And all of this, what's interesting, is from verse 3. To 5, you know, in verse 3, when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image. That means that whether you're Adam or Methuselah, young or old, that you are in the same likeness. So Seth is in the likeness of Adam. Adam is in the likeness of God. And what's interesting is there's still a difference, right? Is there's a likeness, an imagery that's coming from God, that he intends, well, that likeness gets duplicated, gets replicated, and continues on in a multiplication form, and that's where we have children making. <laughs> you know, we have the sex, we have the conception, we have the birth, and then we have the raising, the training them up, and they age, and that's kind of a a positive thing. Now, there's not always a positive thing that happens uh, with kids, whether. Um, something might happen with a pregnancy, something might happen in the the birth, something might happen in their childhood years, or they reach the age uh, of 30, 40, something happens, or they live a full life, maybe they go to 80, 90, 100 years old, but today even we're still not a Methuselah, <laughs> we're still not a Seth or, or an Adam, we're not 930 years old, and there's reasons for that in What we can speculate, uh, assume, presume, as well as really kind of lock down um, biologically, scientifically, biblically, is that God, in his uh, purposes and his plans, started to remove the ability to live long on the earth. And we see that in Genesis chapter 2 and 3, where God basically said, if you do this, then I'm going to let death enter that's the concept and so it becomes a natural death that occurs and next thing you know instead of old age for everybody it starts to become younger and younger and younger and people start to meet a younger age and a younger death and that's where we're at today and there's a lot to that we'll address that later and in verse 6 when seth had lived 105 years he fathered enosh Seth lived after he fathered Enosh 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. And this continues on, right? To each section of, you could almost say like a grandfather figure, you know? Where there's kind of like a family head, uh, where kind of there's a point in time. uh, There's a well-known figure in the family he becomes kind of the point of reference. And that's what Moses is doing as he's recording this. They're kind of markers in time. They're, they're a geographic reference. They're a familial reference, right? Related, related to land, related to people, related to uh, the timeline that they came after. They're, they were the younger one. This was the older one. And so you have that verse 12, same thing with Canaan. <clears throat> um, verse 15, Mahalalel, maha uh, verse 18, you had Jared, and Jared has Enoch. Now, this is what's interesting, is when you have Enoch, let's say in verse 21, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Verse 22, Enoch walked with God, and he fathered Methuselah 300 years. You don't often have every verse saying hey this person walked with god so we don't really know if one of the previous ones were not walking with god and then enoch was or there was something peculiar about enoch um, and the others were ungodly enoch was godly we i don't know if we can have a direct uh, comparison like that from this context But at least we know in the family tree that Enoch is someone that actually walked with God. That he believed in God. He lived for God throughout his years. And in verse twenty-four, Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. So (laughs) it's an interesting English translation, but basically it's it's as if uh, he disappeared. He couldn't be found. So this would be uh, God taking him. Maybe Enoch is not dead. He has not physically died because he has walked with him. And I would like to think that. I would like to, if I could be that, that would be great. I don't want to experience death. No one wants to experience death. But either way, you have Enoch. He was not found. He's not there. Where'd he go? What happened to him? And it says that God took him. We have a couple other references throughout scripture where God takes somebody as if he does not allow them to physically die. And we'll get to those as we read through the Bible. But here in the English translation, you really see that man. This it's almost as if God took his life, but without almost that experience of death. And In a sense, it's like, okay, did he die? Did he not die? Was there a physical last breath? And I just don't think that's the purpose of this verse. We can speculate. We can try to figure out, you know, all the minute uh, seconds that happened, that transition from this life to the next life, from uh, not necessarily in God's physical presence, like in heaven, to then in heaven with him would be the concept. So, Either way, I think it would be a better situation, though, than a Cain or an Abel. You know, I, I think that's the point where Cain is not walking with God, kills his brother in chapter, Genesis chapter 4. And he kills Abel because Abel is walking with God, gives God the, a righteous sacrifice according to what God wanted, and he's murdered, right? That's not even a natural death. You're you're being murdered, and you're being murdered by a relative, your sibling, your brother, your older brother. And how awful is that? So you have in verse 24, Enoch walked with God, and then he was not. And the point is, I think, in that, is not that try to live your life so God takes you, (laughs) that you don't experience death. But it's just revealing that in the line of humanity, in the line from Adam to Noah, at least, that there were godly men that there was godliness on the face of the earth. Now that would become a contrast to the next chapters to come, where it really seemingly gets bad. Almost like every single human is just awful, ungodly. And you'll see that throughout the Bible, throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, that as if God looks down upon the earth and he just sees destruction, sees evil, and constant evil and destruction. And people will say today, well, look, our world is really bad. Mm, kind of, yeah, but it, it, it's kind of hard to compare to the past where there was a lot of bad a lot of bad. And you can compare it to the last 100 years, the last 200 years. You can go to the Middle Ages in our timeline. You can go to the Roman Empire time. when That's when Jesus enters the world. And you can go before that in history. And you get to this book of Genesis, and you start to see the recordings of just a lot of badness. <laughs> a lot of horrible things. And it will say that God wants to destroy, and he does, and that's why we have the story that's soon to come about Noah and Noah's Ark. And so you have in verse 25, when Methuselah had lived 180 years, he fathered Lamech. And 20, verse 26, Methuselah lived after he fathered Lamech 782 years. Verse 27, that brought Methuselah to 969 years, almost a thousand years old. Some people don't even make it to 100, but if they make it to 100, it's like, wow, a <laughs> celebration. Some I've, I've literally heard through interviews that they're like, I don't want to make it to 100, and I'm like 106 or something, 102. <laughs> some are like, why doesn't God take me now? Uh, but this is like almost to a 1,000 years old. That is old. Now, these are not metaphorical or allegorical years. This is truly almost a thousand years. These are literal days and years. These are literal people. These are literal uh, facts that are being written down by Moses. This is according to what God wanted written, as well as what he had planned and what he has revealed and done. And he has purposes to all these people's lives. He will, it'll say in Genesis chapter 50, the last chapter in in Genesis, it'll say that in the certain context, what happened, that there was evil that was done. And it will say that basically God used evil for his good, meaning God does not intend evil. He's not the author of evil. Evil is the opposite of God. It is Godlessness, And so he will still use evil. He'll recycle it for his purposes. And that's where Satan thinks he will rule God, but he will never overcome God or good. And that is a great truth. Now, when you have in uh, chapter 5, uh, in verse 20, uh, 28, when Lamech had lived 182 years, he fathered a son, in verse 29, his, and called his name Noah, saying, out of the ground that the Lord has cursed this one shall bring us relief from our work and from the painful toil of our hands now that's an interesting statement as if somehow noah is a a a, a kid that's going to grow up to have a salvific nature to him meaning not like an eternal salvation like jesus is but from their temporal difficulties that's that that means we're We're uh, quite a bit of timeline from Adam at this point. We're hundreds of years after Adam, and we're at Noah, and Noah is now kind of the the focal point of, whew, he is, uh, (laughs) he's going to be the one that brings us relief. And it's like, well, what do you mean relief? I mean, from the difficulty of uh, your work that God cursed you, Well, we'll... is somehow the birth of Noah is now the end of God's curse in Genesis chapter three? Maybe, maybe they thought that. You know, that's it's a difficult thing to really narrow in this verse to say that's the case. You know, as if uh, they're putting all of all of their hopes on Noah, or it's just kind of giving us a definition to Noah. That there's a greater purpose to Noah's life that they not they don't necessarily know, but it does say that there's a relationship to Noah and God that there's a purpose. and now Lamech is saying that there's going to be a relief from our work, from the painful toil of our hands. Well, that relief might be from the ungodliness that's continuing, not merely the curse. So the contrast from the next chapters, is a lot of evil that happens. And there's very few that walk with God. So maybe this is what is really being captured, is the contrast of the hopefulness of this child to be raised, to be known, to be the one that gives relief. Or, as Moses writes this down, what Lamech was thinking, is that there is a future propheticness to this, that that God will have judgment on on these people. But it's again, it's hard to really interpret what Lamech is thinking. You, you can take it for face value, and I think that's the best way you can. And the you can build on context later, but still yet there's something unique about Noah. I think that's the general concept Moses is trying to get at, Lamech was trying to get at, whether they really knew the full extent, or at least Lamech, um, if he didn't know it, it was going to unfold. So you had in verse 30, uh, Lamech lived after he fathered Noah 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Lamech were 777 years, and he died in the verse 32, the last verse of chapter 5. And after, uh, sorry, after Noah was 500 years old, Noah fathered Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. And so here is setting up for the next uh, chapters where the unfolding of humanity, the unfolding specifically of Noah's family and the evil on the earth. And you're going to get to the point where uh, you have in chapter six, God will command Noah to build a boat. And he's going to say, I have judgment for the world. I'm going to flood the world. I'm going to drown the world. And uh, after a lot of years of you building this thing, water's going to come, rain's going to come, and it's going to be turmoil. It's going to be awful. It's going to be judgment. So chap. each of these chapters going through Genesis, as well as the rest of the Bible, they give us contextual meaning. They're not just giving us content. They're trying to build up a case. They're all connected. And you do have to discern how they're connected, why they're connected, sometimes they're really easy. So chapter five is a connection between Adam to Noah, setting us us up for Genesis chapter six and seven of what happens with Noah and the flood. And then you're gonna get to the point of Genesis chapter 12, chapter 15, and chapter 17, where we have the entry or the revealing of this man, Abraham, of the land of Ur. And through Abraham, he will be the first israelite he will be the first what later becomes known as hebrews or jews or israelites there's kind of some names that you gotta have to kind of follow but ultimately it's the family of the human world that will give birth to jesus that's how we know jesus was not canadian (laughs) he's not american he's not mexican he's not african he's not uh he's not from uh europe uh, he's not from you know parts of Asia, like India or China. He's going to be Middle Eastern, and he's going to be specifically Israelite. And throughout the Old Testament, you're going to have books that will give specific details. Towns, people, kind of some time frame. And when Jesus comes, people will have enough information to narrow that this is the Christ, that this one is unique. And he will then be known as Jesus. And we can affirm that, believe that, follow that, and know it's not a lie. We can understand and know that it's not a fairy tale. And we can um, be kind of a a myth buster. We can kind of uh, demyth people's uh, doubts or even our own doubts and confusions. We can actually have certainty. We can trust God with our life. More importantly, in trusting God is what he wants us to trust and he's specifically revealed he wants us to trust in the person and work the life death and resurrection of Jesus the Christ so the important things about the Bible the important part the important parts of Genesis are not the actual stories and people and places it's what they're pointing to. However, what they are revealing about the people and places and the stories help point us to rightly, truthfully, factually, to Jesus. So we then see Jesus as the epicenter to history, to humanity, and ultimately, it is what God wants to our hearts. And you're going to see that difference. In the next chapter, when there's a lot of people that reject God, they don't want God, like Cain and several others, and God will have his judgment. And as Jesus said, and as uh, books of the Bible have said, there will be a final judgment, or God's patience will run out. Uh, It will not be quenched any longer. There will be a final day, a final judgment day to the sin of mankind, that it won't just be a temporal stopping, but it will be an eternal stopping. Until that day, there's a, a propitiation, a satisfaction to God's wrath. One, He put every sin of the world on His shoulders. His name is Jesus. He came to live, to die on a cross, to resurrect A third day. That's what we see in the New Testament, especially the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. What great truths to read, to know about, especially in our day and age. Dig into God's Word. Discover who He is. He promises to reveal Himself in this world and in His Word, and especially what then is known as the living Word, Jesus. Oh man, that's great news! It's beautiful. Well, I'm looking forward to continuing the series. We have a lot, uh, we have a lot longer to go, uh, but it is worth it. It is worth it. We will also start to add some episodes in uh, about certain topics, so we will address those hopefully more in shorter versions. Uh, but we're not going to be concerned about time right now. We're going to be concerned about the right content and what we need to learn. What does the Bible say? What does God say? And we want to be reading the Bible. So until next time, Pastor Nate out.